Hello and welcome to Ashurst Legal Outlook and this special mini-series on women in tech. My name is Michelle Sally and I'm a senior associate within Ashurst Digital Economy team. In today's episode, we talk with Erin Abraham, who is legal counsel for Uber. In our discussion, Erin and I chat about how the landscape has changed for women in tech and law over the years and provide the listener with a few affirmations for their career journey. Here's our conversation. So Erin, thanks so much for joining us today. It's really exciting to have you here um, talking to us about women in tech because you and I go way back now, many moons ago. Just for the listeners' benefit, Erin and I used to work together in the digital economy team. Erin has since moved on to become legal counsel at Uber. I'm left behind, but I've done a few uh, months of comment actually with Uber and it was such an exciting ride, if you'll excuse the pun. <laughs> I guess to, to open up this podcast with a unique question for you, Erin, is what is your favourite podcast to, to kick off? Love it. Well, thanks for having me, Michelle. I'm really ex- excited to do this. There is one podcast that I've been listening to for years, and I mean like seven years. It's been going on forever. It's called The Ten Radio Hour. Okay. And it used, it used to be hosted by this guy called... Um, a guy called Guy, his name is Guy Raz or Guy Roz. It basically picks up all these TED Talks that have happened all over the world. Um, and they'll choose a subject like music or beauty or why human beings X, Y, Z. And it will gather all the, the TED Talks on that topic and go through them, like analyze them. So it's always one hour. And I think it's hosted on the NPR radio in America or whatever. But they also made it into a podcast. So it's so good. Highly recommend that really have to resist the urge here to google it uh no, you, should. <laughs> you should there's there's one more actually so there's one more podcast that i have to recommend if you're going into the podcast world there is a lady called alex wolf and her podcast is called the alex wolf podcast um she's quite young but she explores the most interesting topics so she um currently the last the last one i listened to was called are millennials the dumbest generation so it's that sort of stuff wow topical Um, what was the answer (laughs) yes (laughs) Um, wow uh, and it's kind of like tech philosophy it's like eastern philosophy it's just like new ideas it's just very kind of mind expanding so I love that kind of stuff just a bit of a content junkie myself so those are the two I would recommend but it's funny just from the two podcasts that you've mentioned you're very very into your tech Erin and um (laughs) an interesting segue into my first real question is what what actually drew you to Uber because they're a massive tech unicorn so well established now it's it's a very big name what what was it that made you want to go there I think for me I kind of always knew that I wanted to feel inspired um by the work that I was doing and also just like a, a sense of alignment owning this kind of pursuit of inspiration and alignment is kind of a non-traditional way of thinking when it comes to career and things like that so how, how this whole thing started is I qualified into digital economy digital economy coolest team focused on on tech uh, media telecom transactions whilst I was there kind of really stripped back team I think the closest that was the closest a law firm would get to kind of imbibing the tech spirit just very stripped back casual really cool work but what what it did is it kind of gave me glimpses into what it was like to work with or for a tech business. And I love that that we had that breath. So, so many different projects, uh, so many different companies. 
But I just felt like I really wanted to be in the action with the tech company and just kind of be in the epicenter of it all rather than, you know, working on discrete projects. Um, so I kind of just started to look around just very kind of, you know, casually, nothing too intense. And the opportunity with Uber came up very quickly. I think like most people from the outside who haven't really gone into the depths of, of Uber kind of see it as like, okay, yeah, so it's a, you know, cool Silicon Valley tech company, but is it, you know, what are they doing? Is it really tech? You know, are they really tech or is it taxis sort of thing? Um, and I remember my first conversation with um, Kandap, who's now my manager, another team member, and they spoke about the business and, and the way they spoke about the business and their work, I could see that they were inspired by what Uber was doing. And it, it was just contagious. And I, I did my own research into Uber and, uh, you know, had to think about it. And I, I just knew that it was, you know, an opportunity that I, I, I wanted to get involved with. And it honestly has been the best decision, <laughs> the best career decision um, so far. So I've, I've really enjoyed the approximately three years that I've been here now. Yeah, it's, it's been a while and I must admit, miss you loads, but feel inspired talking to you. And I was very lucky to do a couple of months to comment with you guys. And that was the vibe that I felt while I was there. Everyone just felt inspired by the motto, by the way of life. And one thing in particular that, that got to me was that your CEO was so accessible. So when I was in the comment at your office, Dara came over and sat in the kitchen, in the kitchen, with yeah. everybody having a cup of tea and just talking about his experiences in Silicon Valley across the world internationally. I, I have never heard of that close connectivity between a CEO and the staff of such a, a tech unicorn. How does it feel to have that accessibility as a, a theme across your business? Yeah, it's the coolest thing. And I haven't, um, Uber Uber is my first kind of foray out of private practice. So I don't know whether this is the norm across tech companies, but I think it really just is one of those cultural um, norms of the business. There's just this accessibility to people in leadership and it sort of destroys the whole siloed us versus them. The leadership are kind of shrouded in mystery and just brings the team together in a really cohesive way. And just create the sense of accountability. So whatever the CEO, you know, whatever decisions they're making at, at, at the top can be challenged by literally anyone in the business. We actually have uh, weekly all hands where the whole business across the world gathers together via Zoom. Um, and at the end of the, the all hands, we have updates and things like that. Um, at the end of the, the all hands, we have a Q&A session where anywhere, anyone in the business can ask a question and the CEO has to answer. So their decisions can be you know queried by anyone and I just think it's the coolest thing because it, it means that the business is collaborative and everyone feels like they're brought into a collective mission rather than a few people at the top who are driving the ship and you know no one else really has a say that's significant um so I I just love that way of doing things and I think it really speaks to to who I am as a person just that collaborative outlook on things and that team team spirit that's genuine rather than you know semantics and as women I think we've had some exposure quite early in our careers to some phenomenal experiences and that that is definitely one of mine sounds like it's it's one of yours how how do you feel the industry that the tech industry the legal industry has changed for women since you first started your career 
Yeah, I love that I have kind of come into my career stride um, at a time where businesses are really having to acknowledge diversity squarely and, and not just in terms of, of talk or, or numbers, but a recognition, I think, that a growing, uh, growing a diverse workforce is just the right equitable thing to do. People want to do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, and secondly, because, you know, in some way or, or another, a lack of diversity is going to affect the bottom line. Uh, and people appreciate that now in a way that I don't think they've ever appreciated it before. I'm just very privileged to, to be working at a time where there's so much momentum behind diversity. Um, you know, today I can I can sit with you know my team at Uber and have a regular cadence with the general manager or the regional general manager who just wants to talk diversity. And, and it's not, it's not from a place of, you know, we're just trying to you know, meet targets here. It's genuine care. It's genuine conviction that this is something we need to do as a company. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Uber is incredible with it. Like they will, they will give employees a blank sheet of paper and say, what do we need to do in order to build a diverse w- workforce? Um, and those ideas can come from anyone, come from anywhere. And it's just, you know, putting minds together to, to make sure that there's representation at the table all the time. I'm very grateful to, to all the women, you know, who've come before me and kind of demanded that, that seat at the table, because it means, you know, these days that I'm kind of expected to be at that table. And that just wasn't the case even 10 years ago. So it, it is really, really amazing to to be working at this time it's just a great time to be pushing my career yeah I, f- I feel the same you know I um I think about when I joined Ashurst Ruth Harris was made up to managing partner and she was a phenomenal role model for people like like me who who see myself at Ashurst and now we've got Karen Davies and as you say there's this also this huge diversity push not just to tick a box anymore it's a conversation clients just want to talk about it we want to talk about it and I I feel like it's really it's a nice thing to talk about as well it's not it's not your usual law it's it's interesting conversations about day-to-day life so I, I, to, I totally agree it, it's a very different landscape than even five years ago so what's what's the biggest driving force that led you to where you are today so two things inspiration and alignment that they're so important to me honestly and if I feel like I'm not inspired it's very difficult for me to plug in so at at any given point I want to be part of an organization that I really really relate to their mission and I can see what they're, they're doing in the world and it excites me and I think it's it's important to build your career around that because you know there's there's so many options out there there's so many things you can do but at the end of the day your career is so fundamental to your life. You spend so many hours at your desk. Um, you want to be doing something that that makes you feel alive. Um, and and those are those are the things that just really drive drive me with my decisions with my career. You could turn those into those those wee motto cards with the clouds <laughs> and <laughs> reading them off. Um, you know, even even with my career inside Uber. I'm always looking for different opportunities to do something new, to learn something new, to kind of plug into to what's really speaking to, to who I am or, or what I'm interested in. I love it. And when when did you first develop your interest in tech that sort of sits alongside this inspiration side of things? I was thinking about this earlier, and I, I honestly can't remember when I became fascinated with tech, but I do remember 
my dad getting our first computer I was so young I must my memory starts strangely early as well I must have been like three we had this like computer and this dial-up modem and he got me this like little apple this box looking thing that sat in my room which is an apple computer from like 90 something oh my goodness um, that'd be worth a few quid now right? <laughs> yeah it would be it did he keep sure. it did he keep it no 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 it was thrown away I wish we kept it it is remarkable when you look at those computers now anyway yeah I just used to be so fascinated with those computers I just sit there for hours like not really knowing what was going on with them but just exploring and something about the way tech changes the world and all those cliches I I just want to be within that action as I've said before so I think that's where the fascination started just kind of being on, on the um within whatever is is changing the world it's funny I was very resistant to the iPhone when it first came out because I thought it's no buttons you know you can't you can't use it how how do you work it if there's no buttons I've I've obviously changed my view dramatically I think the one thing about tech that I love is that it's always changing a flip side of this what's been as you see it a significant barrier to your career as you've moved up I don't think I've faced explicit barriers, um, which I, you know, I know is a testament to how much work women, um, black women did before me. So I don't think I faced explicit barriers, but I think I've definitely faced implicit barriers. Um, and one of the things that comes to mind when when I um, hear this question or one of the instances um, I'll tell you about. So when I um, moved in-house um, three years ago, I think when I landed, I perhaps didn't look um, like what people would expect a lawyer to look like. I have a baby face. I look very young. Um, I am young. <laughs> you um, are young, Erin. <laughs> I am young. I am young. But I, I look much younger. I look much younger than I am, which I don't love at this stage. Um, I'm sure I love it at some point in the future. <laughs> um, you've all, you've always been much wiser than your years, though, as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm a female, um, I'm black. And I think, you know, with people having n- n- nothing, nothing explicit, but just sometimes, you know, you have ex- implicit expectations of what you know, mm. a lawyer looks or sounds like or how they show mm. up. Just don't think I showed up in any of those sort of traditional ways. And, and when I would, you know, enter a room to, to give, you know, legal advice on a new project, when I first started, at least in my first um, few months, there was just a sort of question mark as to you know who is legal counsel in this room and it was like you know this I am legal counsel in this room and you know having to kind of earn that um respect as legal counsel in the room and own my voice as legal counsel in the room and you know there would be instances where you know I have a particular specialism specialism as a commercial legal counsel that other people with different specialisms you know there'll be tax employment reg or whatever if I had another legal special specialist in the room they may automatically, you know, defer to that person just because they, you know, you know that person may look more like, you know, a lawyer um, mm-hmm. rather than rather than me for my specialism. So I used to have to, to think quite hard about it. Like, do I need to, you know, lower my voice or speak really loudly or just kind of, you know, what do I need to do to flag, you know, my presence in this room? Um, and I think there were two things that, that really helped with that. So the head of my team, Helen Hayes, who is phenomenal, she has definitely broken a lot of barriers for us. But she says something that really resonates with me. And she, she always says, advise fearlessly. Um, and it means, you know, my, my interpretation of that is that you get into a room, speak your mind, like you have an opinion, you have been trained, you know how to analyze the situation. So speak up. 
um, just do it. And, and sometimes, you know, it would mean that I would have to introduce myself, say I'm legal, commercial legal counsel, um, nice to meet you. Um, and this is my analysis of the situation and, and these are my points. And I think slowly but surely people began to just recognize that I, I, I was legal counsel and, and ask for my opinion rather than me having to, to volunteer it all the time. Um, and then the second thing that I think was pretty powerful and, and this speaks to, to male allyship, which I think is such an important point, is in those early days, um, my team members within the legal team, I think, you know, were conscious of it. And one of the things they used to do when, you know, a question would be directed to them, which should have been directed to me, they would say, Erin is the expert on this, so we're deferring to Erin in this situation. And, and just that signal, which is very powerful, because it meant that they as legal counsel respected or, you know, saw you know, my um, presence in the room as, as, you know, important and my opinion is important. And I think that created a general sense of, you know, Erin is part of the legal team and she she has an opinion that needs to be heard in this room. And that happened a few times, which I, I was, you know, I was really encouraged by. And I just love to see the fact that, you know, my male counterparts in the room were just kind of standing up for, you know, female, new, new young female voice in the room. Um, and I think that speaks, you know, to the strength and, and the, the merits of male allyship. You, you've answered my you've answered my later question of how you think genders can better support each other. And it's a very, very powerful message that you have there, Erin, about allyship and just little subtle things that our male counterparts can do to support women in tech and law definitely um, it doesn't feel like much but it has such a big impact like you you've cited that as one of your big career defining moments the impact is honestly huge it's honestly huge and, and yeah it's, it's a collaborative effort at the end of the day for for us um to promote diversity and when we have our, our male counterparts getting on, on board with with what we're trying to do and what we're trying to promote it just helps the, the effort and it, it's so so important yeah yeah and I, I can relate to I can relate to that story. I mean, yours is very, very powerful. But, if, you know, talking about five years ago, I, I do remember being the only woman in the room with a large number of men. Um, mm. And I was the, you know, the, the leader on these negotiations. And you do yeah. sort of you, you come into the room, you recognize that you're different and then yeah. engage the good advice that you've been given along the way. That The advice that I had at the time was. Um, if you're in a in a conference call scenario in a room with a lot of other people and you feel small go and sit next to the microphone so everybody on that conference call can hear you and sit tall be big don't don't shy away but um I digress <laughs> so what 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 advice would you pass on to other women you know now that you've you've been on the other side and felt other people help you what what advice would you pass on uh, so I can speak from um, my viewpoint, which is being a, a technology lawyer. I think it's really important to be product obsessed when you're working within tech. So you're a lawyer, yes, but it's so important to completely immerse yourself in the business, in the product, understand the business metrics, understand the environment in which the business operates, get as into it as you can. Um, there's a sort of... Um, characterization of my role that I love and it's that we are business stakeholders with legal knowledge rather than lawyers with business knowledge if you know what I mean so mm. that kind of vantage point or viewpoint means that you 
take ownership of your role within the business, not as an external legal counterpart, because that's not what you are. You are also as immersed in the business as your ops stakeholder or as your product stakeholder. Um, and just, just really um, getting into the details of things, I think really helps to distinguish your advice. Do you feel as a internal, a, a law firm lawyer that buys into your product would have a big impact on what you know the conversations that you would have so it's it's also encouraging not just for in-house lawyers but for firm lawyers to really get to know the product as well because it shows that you have an interest massively it shows you have an interest and it just makes the advice so much better because mm-hmm. it's not throwing legalese or you know the, the the textbook at um your your in-house counterparties it's I understand your business and this is the commercial advice I'm giving you. It's not just legal advice, it's commercial advice. And it's so important because the way these tech businesses move is just so fast that so we don't, fast. honestly, yeah. we don't have time to sit there and be pouring over what the statute says. We just need to synthesize that into something that makes commercial sense and something we can use to advise the business that enables them whilst also you know highlighting clearly what the risk areas are that's really really good advice even for me in the here and now Aaron (laughs) what 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 skills do you think are important for women in your industry yeah so product obsession is the first one I think the second one is keying into your authenticity as a person so um I found that when you're in environments that could be male dominated or, or maybe a little bit more traditional, there's pressure to kind of um, adapt and kind of make yourself into, into what you're not. Mm-hmm. And I've actually found that one of the most powerful tools is to remain authentic and really remain yourself within that environment. And I love that Uber is an environment that encourages that actively. One of the ways in which it, it really benefits you is that it creates a real connection between you and the people that you're working with, the people that you're advising. They are, are coming to you, not just for your advice, but also for, for your personality for your perspective for your whole package and you can only really make that real connection with people when you're being authentic and also on that point when you're being authentic you also open the door for other people coming after you to also be their authentic selves and it's just it's important for fostering that inclusive um working environment um which which we're all trying to build I feel like we need the we um cloud motto again of be authentic just so this can become a meme post podcast. It means so. It means so much to me to be in an environment that I can be authentic. Yeah. Um, and I will. I will. You know, not shrink back from who I am or what I am. So yeah, it's important. Yeah, I think I think you could probably agree with me that it's something that we foster at the digital economy team as well in Ashurst as well. Oh yeah. Are very authentic you know converse in the office Definitely. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> but not I think meeting. that's why I love that I love that <laughs> department so much um it just was it was a great environment oh it's very kind I think there's just one more one more point to raise on on um what's important for women in this industry and I've touched on it before I think it's so important to believe in yourself there's actually not much space to not believe in yourself because you know like I said before you need to advise fearlessly you need to just back yourself um and just I guess being bold it's not easy and a lot of the times we're psyching ourselves up you know we're like come on come on we've got this you know what you're saying just walk into a room and and be bold and just throw yourself into it um it is something that I think is is needed and you know I have affirmations written everywhere you know I you know speak to myself a lot to just encourage myself to show up 
in a bold manner. And I think it's it's one of those things that helps you navigate your career, career generally, I think, um, and, and definitely in-house. It's something that I have talked about quite a lot with female colleagues about imposter syndrome yeah. and how you yeah. can sometimes feel like, oh, am I, is this for, like, am I in the right place? Like, is this where I should yeah. be? And there's a oh, quote. Definitely. There's a quote that I read many moons ago. This is proper meme territory again. Um, this is what <laughs> one of Richard Branson's ones. If someone offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure you can do it, say yes, and then learn how to do it later. And I think that's so true. It's certainly in the context I love of that attitude. Yeah, you know, you you are gonna as a as a female sometimes feel like you know you're not you're not in the right room. You're surrounded by people that, that don't look like you, and know that other women feel like that too and just be empowered to go in there and nail it because you can and other women have before you and I think we're we're coming up with all the empowerment modes here but I, I do think that's very true yeah it's such a big element of what it means to be um, a woman in the workplace you know you have to draw on empowerment from, from wherever you can so you know whether it's cheesy quotes or affirmation or Richard Branson <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or, or leaning on or drawing inspiration from from women that have gone ahead uh, ahead of you is just so important. So one one last question to to wrap it up, Aaron. What do you wish you knew when you started your career? What was it that you wish you had known before you kicked all this off? It's a head scratcher. I, I I'll kick you off. I did work experience many moons ago with Sheree Blair, and she said to me, I was I was really struggling to get a training contract, and she said. Um, try to be a big fish in a small pond not a small fish in a big pond and it's translated mm. actually to a few things that I've done because I I went home to Ireland and got uh, qualified in Northern Ireland and you know I, I, I stood out because it was a smaller jurisdiction and actually as I moved up through my career I went to the digital economy team which was a small team and I was able to stand out and have ideas and be entrepreneurial. And I found that environment suited me. And I think that was really good advice for me at the time without even realizing that I'd been given it. Uh, I wish yeah. I connected with that earlier to know what I, what I, how I could move forward. That's amazing. That is amazing. I think, yeah, it's a big part of, of the motivation for both of us. Actually, I've seen, I've seen a lot of, a lot of your work, Michelle, and I've watched you for years and it is very, very inspiring to, to come from that viewpoint. I don't think it's anything different to, to what I've said before. And, and maybe the biggest point, it's such a cliche, but the biggest point that I would continue to harp on about is just believing in yourself. So following that internal compass, like if you feel that you're very inclined towards a certain kind of work or certain kind of environment, then follow that. There's a lot in this industry as, as a lawyer in the legal industry, uh, and maybe in the tech industry as well, there's a lot of um, conventional wisdom and, and expected ways of doing things. And sometimes if you just branch out and follow what you think aligns with, with, with you internally, it's the, it's the most advantageous thing to do because you're then pursuing, you know, what, what is speaking to you and um, what will allow you to shine the most within, within the environments that you find yourself. So yeah, I think, I think that would be the advice that I pass, pass on. Two fabulous meme ready quotes to sort of end on, I think, are <laughs> advise fearlessly and believe in yourself. And I think that that is the message that we'll end on for other women in tech. 
Erin, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. This has been enchanting. I've loved it. <laughs> oh, I've really enjoyed this We should do this again. We should. Thank you, Erin. <laughs> thank you for listening to our special mini-series on women in tech. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss the rest of this mini-series, please subscribe to Asher's Legal Outlook wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Ashurst, please visit www.ashurst.com. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening and goodbye for now.